Hi, church. Hi, SIBKL. You know, it's a great privilege to be able to bring the Word of God into all our homes and hope everybody is doing all right in this MCO season. You know, it was, it was just the other day um, that, uh, you know, every day in this MCO season, my wife and I, even though our, our child is one and a half years old, Jedediah, right, we allow him 15 to 20 minutes of TV time in order to maintain. It's more for our sanity than his, right? So it was just the other day when he was watching TV that I just turned to my wife and I said, I think I have gained a little bit of weight. I think I'm a little... I'm a little fatter now in this MCO, right? Which is, which is why uh, the camera is aimed uh, uh, my torso and above so that I can maintain my dignity everywhere else, right? Uh, so I said, you know, I think I'm, I have gained a little bit of weight. What do you think? What do you think, right? I'm, I'm asking for approval. Uh, uh, and then Kim said, no, I think you're just a little bloaty. I'm a guy. I don't even know what bloaty means. What does bloated even mean, right? So I said, you know what, if I'm fat, you can just say, I can take it, I'm a guy, I'm a man, I can take the fact that I put on a bit of weight, I just need to lose it in the next few weeks, right? Um, and it was at that same, exact same moment that my son, Jedediah, he turns to me and he points and he says, pig, pig. <laughs> it was such a shock and I was like, wait, what, what? And my, my wife turned to him and she thinks it's funny and I think it's, I wasn't sure if I should be offended or I should take it seriously, or I, I don't know what's going on, but he's one and a half, he, he seems a little too smart for his age, right? Um, and I was like, son, wait, you, you calling me fat? You know, I can take it, I can take it, you calling me fat? And it was at that moment that Kim just turned next to me because the TV was next to me and she said, oh no, no, he's not pointing at you, he's pointing at the TV. Because at that same moment, a pig, a cartoon pig just came on screen and he was pointing at the TV and he says, pig. But I thought it was a funny moment and from then on I was like, son, Son, am I fat? Am I fat? I'm asking. Now I want his approval as well, not just my wife. But I, I'm wondering how you're doing in your MCO period. Have, is it just me? Have everybody gained a little bit of weight or have you lost a little bit of weight? But I hope everyone is doing okay. I hope you have maintained your sanity and I also hope that you have kept up with all your spirituality as well. It is a perfect season to keep up with our spirituality in this season. You know, today marks the 75th day of our MCO. And as we all know it, June, the middle of June is as, as the MCO slowly lifts. I believe with all my heart that each and every one of us here, we're on a new journey. Everybody, we're on a new journey. Whether you are an employee, whether you are an employer, whether you're a small company, a big company, right? Each of us, we have a question to ask on what does post-MCO looks like? What does post-COVID-19 look like for each and every one of us, right? How would my business look like? How will my finances look like? Um, how do I eat in, the, eat in a hawker store? How do I go and, and do grocers uh, from now onwards, right? How do I do my work from now onwards? We're on a new season and I cannot, I cannot begin to list down each and every one of our new season of our lives. So I want you to just reflect in the next just two, I'm gonna give you two seconds to think, what is your new journey ahead of you? We're all embarking on a new journey. What is your new journey ahead of you? Because today we're going to talk about an, a new journey. But I want to tell you about my new journey. Uh, it is good news because on the 16th of May, uh, two and a half weeks ago, or two weeks ago, my wife and I welcomed baby Macarius Ling into this world. He is three weeks early, so it is a, a, a surprise 
uh, a visit by him into this world, but we're so happy. My wife is doing great. She's doing fine at home. She's, she's having a good time uh, with both our sons. When I say good time, I mean it's, it's a strike of balance between stress, uh, uh, maintaining our sanity, but yet enjoying our kids at the same time, right? Um, I'm having a great time. Uh, we're both on this new journey in our lives. What does it look like now, right? Not just one son, but we've got two sons, right, in our lives. And there's all this new protocol. What is it like to have a baby during the MCO, right? Nobody's done it before. So there's no handles to pull. We don't know what to do as well. So we've got so many questions to ask. Uh, how do we clear a house? How do we buy stuff for the baby? How do we do a lot of things? But this is a new journey for the both of us. What is your new journey? I'm sure you have a new journey. And it is, and I believe it is by divine appointment that God put Ezra chapter 7 and chapter 8 into this week's preaching into my heart. Because as I was preparing this, I also asked God, God, what are you saying through these two verses? And God is saying, look, this verse, Ezra chapter 7, is when Ezra, for the very first time, his character was introduced into this book, and he's starting a new journey from Babylon to Jerusalem. Ezra is also starting a new journey. And God is saying, I felt really strongly, God said to me, learn from Ezra on how to start your journey well. And that's where I got my title, starting your journey well. Starting our journey well. Because we, we want a journey with God well. We don't want to just finish well, which we want to do. But we also want to start well because how we start usually dictates the pace of our journey, usually dictates how our journey goes as, as we go forth in time, right? So God is saying, look at how, learn from Esther's and pull three pointers out for the church and in, your, in my life on how to start our journey well. So as I read the book of Ezra, I'm going to explain what God really put in my heart. And it's really exciting uh, on how we start our journey well. Shall we go on together? But before, before I start reading the Word of God, I really want to start by praying. And I really want to invite God and His Word and the Holy Spirit into each of our homes. Everybody who's listening, I want to invite God into each of our hearts today as we hear the Word of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God, that you are still God in this season. You are still good. You are still faithful. You are still love. You are still uh, joy. You are still our peace, Father God. You are a way maker, a promise keeper, Father God. And we thank you, Jesus, and we invite you here this morning into our hearts, into our homes. Come and be with us, Jesus. Come and speak to us, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and saturate our hearts today. Come and saturate our homes today because we need your presence. We don't want this to just be another sermon. We want this to be life-changing. And the only person who can change our lives is you, Jesus. It's you, Holy Spirit. So we invite you here. We thank you, God, for your word this morning. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Starting our journey well. You know, I've got, I'm going to bring three Ps into, into our homes today. And I'm going to say it up front. Number one, start our journey well. Purpose. Number two, prayer. And number three, practicality. Purpose, prayer, practical faith. Practicality. Is that okay? So let's go. I'm going to read and then I'm going to explain each verse as I go along. So these are two very long chapters, Ezra 7 and 8. And I'm not, I'm not going to read everything. So I'm going to invite you and I'm going to encourage you to go home after the sermon or even before this, if you know what I'm preaching on, to read these two chapters thoroughly. Because you would, you would begin to see 
a lot of things that maybe you've never seen before. So let me start. Ezra chapter 7, verse 6. It says, This Ezra came up from Babylon. He was a teacher well-versed in the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given. The king had granted him everything he asked, for the hand of the Lord, his God, was on him. So who is Ezra? Right? Ezra is a teacher of the law. He's a scribe. He's like, he's like, a, he's like a pastor or he's like a seminary a theological teacher, right? So he's like a pastor and I, I resonate with him. And Ezra and Nehemiah, they're one of my two heroes uh, in, the, in, the, in the Bible, right? And the best part is, I'm going to start with this. It says, the hand of the Lord his God was on him. And if you are wondering, how did Ezra get so much favor? How did Ezra get so much leadership? How did Ezra know what to do and when to do it? It is because the hand of the Lord was on him. And, and I just stopped there. Actually, I just wanted to preach a whole sermon on this verse alone because it really spoke to me that, you know, whatever I do, if I do it without God, we build his house in vain. Don't you think? If we do our families and our work and our personal lives without Jesus, we build it in vain. And I don't want the work of my hands to be in vain when I work all the way up to the middle of the night or 2 a.m. and I wake up early in the morning for my family. And if I do all that and I, and I slave and slave every day working my, my butt off, if I can say, right? I don't want it to be in vain. I don't want your work to be in vain. So let's, let's bring God into our paradigm. Let's bring God into our lives. Let me continue. Ezra 7, chapter, uh, uh, verses 8 to 10. Ezra arrived in Jerusalem in the fifth month of the seventh year of the king. He had begun his journey from Babylon on the first day of the first month. And he arrived in Jerusalem on the first day of the fifth month. So if you are anywhere good at math, we are our Asians, right? We should be good at math. That's a stereotype right there. Uh, Ezra took four months to travel from Babylon all the way to Jerusalem. Four months. And by the way, this is not four months on bus or car, on a luxury jet, or even a cruise liner. Uh, uh, this is just four months on foot. The most he had was donkeys or sheep or, or horses at best. Four months on foot, right? Uh, and then it says, for the gracious hand of his God was on him. For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. I will continue. Ezra chapter 7, 27 to 28. Praise be to the Lord, the God of our fathers, who has put it into the king's heart to bring honor to the house of the Lord in Jerusalem in this way and who has extended his good favor to me before the king and his advisors and all the king's powerful officials because the hand of the Lord my God was on me. I took courage and gathered leading men from Israel to go up with me. You know, before chapter 7, um, um, God called the Israelites from Babylon back into Jerusalem. And in Ezra chapter 1 all the way to chapter 6, we see that there is about 50,000 Israelites that decides to go back to Jerusalem to build the house of God. So this is like a second contingent. This is like the second wave that goes back into, into Jerusalem. And Ezra leads 5,000 men on this new journey. But just like all of us, I need to just say, before we embark on a new journey, the most important question to ask is this. What is the purpose of our journey? Why are we traveling? 
We need to find our why. Because if we lose sight of our purpose, if we lose sight of our objective and our goal, we can end up somewhere else. We can end up wayward instead of following the way maker, right? We will make our own path. Can you imagine if Ezra lost sight of his purpose, right? He would land uh, himself in Susa or he would land himself in Lebanon or he land himself in Egypt. But no, he kept sight and kept focus on his purpose, which is Jesus, which is building the house of God. And he landed himself back in Jerusalem. And I'm here to ask you, what is your purpose as you go in your new journey? As you go back out to work, what is your new purpose? What is your purpose? Don't lose sight of that purpose. Remember the times back before the MCO where God put something in your heart. And it's very easy in this season to be distracted about a lot of things. You've probably or we've probably binged watch Netflix series and uh, we finished the whole next week, uh, Netflix series, we finished all Disney Plus, whatever they have to offer, we finished all of that. And, and at, at the end of this season, we're asking ourselves, actually, what am I doing? What is my purpose? So very briefly, I want to tell you Ezra purpose, which is in verse 27, to bring honor to the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. We know that the temple is already finished, but Ezra purpose is to honor God by bringing the word of God back into Jerusalem. That's Ezra's purpose. And I ask God, God, how we can't meet in church right now. We don't have a church. What? Well, how then can I honor you in this season? How then can I honor you in my life if I cannot go into church and build your physical uh, a house? And God says, honoring me is not limited to the house of God, the physical building. Honoring me encompasses your whole life. Being a good father is honor. Honoring God by being a good father. Honoring God by being a good husband. Honoring God by being a good worker. Honoring God by working hard so that your family has something to eat. Honoring God by opening your Bible and praying. Honoring God by worshiping Him in your heart every day. Building this temple of the Holy Spirit every day of your life. That's honoring God as well. So I want to ask you and I want to encourage you as you go out in your new journey, whatever it may be, remember to be like Ezra. The purpose is always to bring honor to God, honor to His house, honor to His name, whatever it may be. Is that all right? That's point number one, purpose. Renew your purpose today. Ask God, give me a new sense or renewed sense of purpose in my heart today. I don't want to forget. I want to remember. Point one. Point number two. Prayer. Let's move on forward now. This is the chunk. Now, this is the bulk. Um, I'm going to move from Ezra chapter 8 now uh, to verse 15. Ezra says, Ezra, I assembled them at the canal that flows towards Ahava. Then, and we camped there three days. Now, Ahava is a city just outside Babylon, right? So the Israelites, they all left Babylon and they camped at a city called Ahava, which is, which is a canal, which is a canal is like a river. Uh, so the river runs through Ahava. They camped there for three days. Now that's, a, that's an important number and that's an important city. Ahava, three days. When I checked among the people and the priests, I found no Levites there. So I summoned Elizier, uh, Ariel, Shemaiah, El Nathan, Jerib, 
El Nathan, Nathan, Zechariah, and Mel Shulam, who were leaders, and Joarib, and El Nathan, who were men of learning. And I sent them to Ido, the leader in Kasaphia. I told them what to do to Ido uh, uh, and his kinsmen, the temple servants in Kasaphia, so that they might bring attendance to us for the house of our God, because the gracious hand of our God was on us. They brought us Sherebiah, a capable man from the descendant of Mel. Mahli, son of Levi, the son of Israel, and Sherebiah's sons and brothers, 18 men, and Hashabiah together with Jehiah. Wow, right? This is just testing my Hebrew, right? From the descendants of Merari and his brothers and nephews, 20 men. They also brought 220 of the temple servants, a body that David and the officials had established to assist the Levites. All were registered by name. Let me continue. I'll explain why I read all this later. Oh, let me explain right now. Uh, um, do you know that if you read Ezra chapter 6, just read Ezra chapter 6. At the end of Ezra chapter 6, it says there were priests and Levites in the Jerusalem temple that offered sacrifices and offerings to God. And and now we read in Ezra chapter 8, Ezra saying that I find no Levite and priest to go back with me to Jerusalem to worship God at his temple. The question that I ask myself is, why did Ezra need to, 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 to gather the, the Levites and the priests to go back when there were already priests and Levites at the temple of Jerusalem. He just needs to go there. The answer is really this. Ezra does not want to begin his journey without offering sacrifices and praise to his God. That's why he invited the Levites. He says, I cannot begin my journey. Let's camp here at the Hava. Let's, let's camp here for three days and let us find Levites and priests so that along the journey right now, we start by sacrificing. Along the journey, we stopped every single Sabbath and we sacrifice and we praise and we give offerings to our God Almighty. We remember Him. And at the end of Ezra chapter 8, they arrived in Jerusalem and again, they give burnt offerings and sacrifices to God. Before I go in the word prayer, can I just say what we can learn from this is Ezra says, in my new journey, I don't want to forget God. God has been gracious to me all along. The hand of God was on me. I've got treasures from Babylon, but I don't want to begin my journey and I don't want to do my journey without God. So I'm looking for priests. I'm looking for Levites. And today, who are the priests and Levites? It's you and me. We're called the royal priesthood of God. So when we begin our journey, don't forget that every day we need to invite God. Every day is a new day. Every day His mercies are new for us. Every day He's faithful and every day we worship Him and we pray. And that's really why there is this long list of names and the numbers of people that came and followed Ezra. So let me continue. Verse 21. There by the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from enemies on the road because we had told the king, the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him, but his great anger is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this and he answered our prayer. Before I even move on, the second point, prayer. And Ezra prayed and proclaimed a fast, a three-day fast for three specific things. One, us, the men of God, the women and men of God. Number two, children. And number three, possessions. Before I continue, I just want to say this. When we begin our new journey, 
we need to remember to consecrate our lives and to say, God, I want to I honor you. I need your protection, but I also want to honor you first. I want to worship you first, and then I'm going to ask for your protection. So Ezra asked the protection from us. You know, in this journey, I'm going to put a map out. In this journey, 900 miles from Babylon to Jerusalem, that is about 1,450 kilometers. I want you to imagine the length of this journey on foot. This is the same as you start from Kuala Lumpur, KLCC, on foot with 5,000 people on foot and you walk all the way to Bangkok and you reach Bangkok on foot four months later, right? So Ezra needed to pray for protection. What is, what is praying for protection for? from? You see, in those days, even today, right? There are bandits, there are robbers. In the New Testament, we read about uh, there, there's, uh, there's robbers that rob the Samaritan. There's a dangerous Samaritan road uh, to Jericho, right? Uh, uh, it's the same in those days. There are bandits and there are robbers. And, and, and Ezra did say, I did not ask the king for protection. I don't have a military escort. I don't. Which means that you have to remember the Israelites were slaves back in Babylon. They were, they were captured people. They're, they're not men of war. They don't bear arms. They're not going out into the desert with chainmail and swords and shields and chariots with them. No, they're, they're captured people. They're simple people. They're slaves. They're the, the lowest of the lowest rank, right? And they're very, very vulnerable to an attack. They're very, very vulnerable to people to just come in their path, capture all 5,000 of them and bring them away to another captivity. They were very vulnerable. So Ezra says, I'm going to pray for us. That God, you need to protect us. Without you, we're vulnerable. But with you, we have protection. And the second point is, Ezra prayed for the children. They are the most vulnerable. But this is not, I don't think this is why Ezra prayed for the children. I believe the real reason is Ezra saying, God, when I look at the next generation, these next generation will be the generation that will inherit the temple of Jerusalem. They would inherit the city of Jerusalem. And if they're gone, and if the enemy cuts them down, we don't have a next generation. So we're always praying for our children. We're always praying for the next generation because they're looking at us for faith. They're watching us to say, look, how is my father and my mother and the leaders of the church worshiping God? How is the leaders of the church uh, reading the word and quoting scriptures? How is the leaders of the church conducting themselves that is honorable to the ways of the Lord? And, and we're saying, protect our children, God. Protect them from harm. Protect them from accidents because they are the next generation. And the third point is the best. Ezra says, I need to pray for protection for my possessions. I'm going to continue here in, in, in verse 24, and I'm going to explain the weight of verse 24 onwards. Then I set apart 12 of the leading priests together with Sherebiah and Hashabiah and 10 of their brothers, and I weighed out to them the offering of silver and gold and the articles that the king, his advisors, his officials, and all Israel present there had donated for the house of our God. So the king King Artaxerxes, the king of Persia, gave Israelites gifts to bring back to Jerusalem, right? And this 
Now this is the gifts. Look at it. It's amazing. I weighed out to them 650 talents of silver, silver articles weighing 100 talents, 100 talents of gold, 20 bowls of gold valued at 1,000 derricks, and two fine articles of polished bronze as precious as gold. I said to them, you as well as these articles are consecrated to the Lord. The silver and gold are a free will offering to the Lord, the God of your fathers. Guard them carefully. Guard them carefully until you weigh them out in the chambers of the house of the Lord in Jerusalem before the leading priests and the Levites and the family heads of Israel. You know, the amazing thing about this part is it's just a few sentences, but I want you to picture the amount and the cost of silver and gold. Besides all the weight and the amount of gold, I did a quick calculation, right? The amount of silver is 20 tons of silver, three and a half tons of silver articles, three and three quarter tons of gold, and 8.5 kilos of gold articles. In today's value, and today's value, the price of gold and silver took a little bit of a dipping, right? But still, in today's value, do the math at home. The articles of gold and silver amassed to U.S. dollars, 200 million. That is about 880 million ringgit that the king gave Ezra and his companions to bring back to Jerusalem. Now, not only is Ezra carrying vulnerable men and women, not only is Ezra carrying vulnerable children on a treacherous road back to Jerusalem, now he's also carrying 880 million ringgit worth of gold and silver to build the temple. Now, if you're Ezra, if I'm Ezra, I'm thinking, Lord my God, Every single minute of the day, I'm worried if somebody's going to rob me. I'm even worried if my own men will rob me, right? Let alone other people that would come to rob the articles of gold and silver. And Ezra says, look, I have no military escort, God. All I have is you, Jesus. So I'm calling a three-day fast and pray for your protection and your hand upon us, our children, and our possessions. And the Lord came through. On verse 31, it says, On the twelfth day of the first month, we set out from the Ahava Canal to go to Jerusalem. The hand of our God was on us, and He protected us from our enemies and bandits along the way. And I just want to encourage all of you, if you don't have much in your life, you don't have much money, you don't have much talents, you don't have much protection, you don't have, in this time, you may not even have many friends, you may not have any good counsel by your side. But let me encourage you, if all you have is Jesus, that is enough. Jesus is more than anything this world can ever give you. And it says here that God protected him. And I want to encourage you right now. God will protect you if you put him first. God will protect you and everything that you hold dear to your heart if you pray and if you ask for protection from the Lord our God. And I, can I just say one more thing? I know time is, time is always on, not on my side when I do online sermons, but I, I cannot help but say this one more thing. You know the protection that God gave Ezra and his companions? They, they never saw it in its fullness until four months later arriving in Jerusalem. Every day is a step of faith. 
They don't know if tomorrow a bandit will come and attack, or a band of robbers, or, or some, some other nation will come and attack them. They don't know. It's every day walking with Jesus, every day trusting Jesus. That's why Ezra says, Levites, priests, I need you to come with me. I need you to worship for me. I need you to burn sacrifice along the way. It is implied in the text. And I just want to say, if nothing bad happens to you, don't forget that it is the unseen protection and hand of God that keeps you here. It could have been worse, but God is protecting you and you don't know the extent of it until you have the beauty of hindsight. Don't underestimate. Do not forget the unseen protection of God because we don't know, right? I drive out to work tomorrow. I don't know. I may get into an accident, but God's hand protected me and I arrive work safely. But I don't know what could have been the worst day of my life. That's why it is crucial that when we pray, we thank God for His protection over us because we cannot see His hand of protection until we have beauty of hindsight, until we're 80 years old and we go, wow, I've not had a day of accident in my life. It must have been God. Until we're 80 years old, and lying on our bed, we say, hey, I've been so blessed in my work. It must have been the hand of God. And that's the beauty of hindsight. And that's the power of prayer. So that's why every day we need to pray. Every day we need to seek God. Every day we need to draw closer to Him so that we can feel Him close enough. Feel Him like Ezra and says, I don't know what's happening tomorrow. I don't know what will happen to me when I step out of my house tomorrow. I don't know, but God, all I know is I need you. All I know and all that matters to me is that I need you with me, God. I need your hand over my life. That's the power of prayer. And I want to encourage all of us here to pray. I want to encourage all of us here to continue to pray. Don't give up. Don't stop. Just because we can't see the results now, don't stop. Don't give up. We see the power of prayer in hindsight. We see the power of prayer four months later when we arrive safe in Jerusalem. That's the power of prayer. And really shortly, I just want to say practical faith. You see Ezra in chapter 8, as you see, Ezra not only just pray, he didn't just say, we're going to pray and pray and pray and not do anything with our lives. No, he went out and says, okay, we need priests. We need Levites. You need to do this. Okay, you need to weigh out the gold. You need to weigh out the silver. You carry this, you carry that. What is he doing? He's saying, these are the work of your hands. As you go out and you work and you carry the gold, make sure you are accountable for every single gram that leaves Ahava and arrives in Jerusalem because we're going to weigh it all out in Jerusalem. And, God, and Ezra is saying, I need all of you men to carry yourself with utmost integrity, pocketing nothing from the gold. Utmost integrity, that's the work of your hands. So Ezra strikes a perfect balance between the need for prayer. He recognizes the need for spiritual prayer, but he also recognizes the need for practical faith. We can't just pray without practical faith, and we cannot just do practical faith without prayer. Why is Ezra one of my heroes? He marries the two. He says, we need to pray because we need God. But also, 
I need to give you roles and responsibilities and goals and processes in order for all of us to arrive in Jerusalem that we know what to do and we know how to do it. And we're integrous when we do it. Three points. Know your purpose in this new journey. Second big point. Pray. Know the power of prayer in your new journey. And the third point. Know that you need to be practical in your faith. And I'm going to close this way. Do you know, in these two chapters, there's one phrase that I've been saying all this while that stands out like a sore thumb. And it is the phrase that really touches me. I'm going to read it to you. It is this phrase, Ezra chapter uh, chapter 7, verse 6. And the hand of the Lord his God was on Ezra. 7, verse 9. For the gracious hand of his God was on him. 7, chapter uh, chapter 7, verse 28. Because the hand of the Lord my God was on me. 8, verse 18. The gracious hand of our God was on us. 8, verse 22. The gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him. 8, verse 31. The hand of our God was on us. Six times in these two verses, the Lord says, My hand, my righteous right hand is on Ezra and on the people. And that's why he had the favor from God. That's why he's got blessings from God. That's why he had the protection from God. The hand of God was on him. But here is the brilliance. Here's the brilliance. In chapter 7, before Ezra met and gathered the people at the Ahava Canal, on chapter 7, it always says, the hand of God was on me, Ezra. That the hand of God was on Ezra. So God is going with Ezra, before Ezra, and ahead of Ezra. Then in chapter 8, when Ezra proclaimed a three-day fast and pray, notice it changed. For the gracious hand of God was on us. The gracious hand of God was on us. The gracious hand of God is on everyone who looks to Him. God suddenly moved His hand from being on one man because he called this man to lead. He laid his hand on one man. Then, when Ezra said, we, together as a church, we fast and pray for three days, God says, I will move my hand, my gracious hand, from not only one man, to be over the 5,000. That's amazing. And as I read this, I always tell God, God, I need your hand upon my life. Otherwise, what's the point? I need your hand because I recognize that without you, I can do nothing. I recognize your divinity, your power, and your supremacy in my life. So I'm going to call. I'm going to take a bold step of faith. And it took me one week of prayer to make this bold step of faith to say, can we as a church, everyone who's tuning in, I don't want the hand of God just to be upon my life, just to be upon your life, just to be upon Pastor Chu's life or Pastor Lee Chu's life. No, I want the hand of God to be on us as a church. And I want us to do this new journey together. Even though we cannot hold hands while we do it, 
we can still spiritually hold hands. We can still do it together. So I want to say next week onwards, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday night at 10 o'clock on our YouTube, I want to not just preach it, but I just want to practice it as well. I want to say I'm going to host a 10-10 prayer, and I'm going to pray for the three things like Ezra prayed. I want to pray for us. I want to pray for our children. And I want to pray for our possessions. Then I want to cover and do a generic general prayer to cover the whole church together. Can we do it together? So that the hand of God is not just on me and not just on you, but on us together as a church. If you have a need for your children, will you come and join us? If you have a need to pray for yourself, your, your mental health, your emotional health, your physical health, would you come and join us? And if you have a need to pray for your work, will you come and join us? We will pray together. And I pray that all of us will arrive in Jerusalem safely. And we would all say together, we arrived because the gracious hand of God is on us. Why? Because we know our purpose, we know our prayer, and we know how to be practical with these two. Will you join me in prayer? And before I close this sermon, can I just say that after the sermon, please go to our link if you need any prayer, if you need somebody to talk to, if you need any prayer, please go to this link and there will be people there to pray with you. If you can go to it now, it's open now and there will be somebody to pray for you if you have a need because we care for you. But if you want to finish this sermon, I'm just going to close in prayer and I'm going to let the worship team lead us in the song Waymaker. It's a beautiful song because he makes a way for us when there is no way. So I'm going to close us in prayer. Will you lift up your hands, all you, all of you in your homes, lift up your hands together with your children, together with your spouses, together with your family. Would you lift your hands? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God, that every season of our lives is a new journey, that we're embarking on a new journey, whatever it may be. But today we call upon you to renew your purpose in our hearts. We don't want to journey this journey without a purpose. We want to know what our purpose is in our lives. We also, Father God, we want to start our journey well. We want to start our journey with a prayer. If we can fast, Father God, it's on our individual uh, to fast. It is on you if you want to fast. But I pray that we can all start with a prayer, Father God, to put you first, to say, Jesus, we need you. We need you to protect me. We need you to protect my children. We need you to protect my work and my possessions. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Father God, and help us to give us wisdom on how to be practical with our faith, how to be practical in our prayer requests, how to be practical in our purpose in life, Father God. Will you be with us today? Will your presence go before us, Father God? For if your presence do not take us up from here, do not let me embark on this journey. So I pray, Father God, and all of us here whose hands are lifted, that your presence will go with us as we continue to seek you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Some of you may have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. The Bible tells us that if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved and you will have eternal life. 
Today, if you want to receive Jesus, why don't you follow me in this prayer? Father God, I confess I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you sent Jesus Christ, your son, to die on the cross for my sins. He was buried and rose on the third day. I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me and accepting me as your child. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen.